You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the SPED Prep Academy podcast. This is episode 41, and I'm your host, Jennifer, and I've been teaching special education for 26 years. And while teaching children with special needs is my passion, I've also developed a love for teaching teachers as well. So my goal is to provide you with timely and applicable information that you can immediately put into action within your own classroom, department, or program. These weekly mini doses of professional development are perfect for the busy teacher who needs just a little boost of motivation to stay in the trenches week after week. I know the mental and physical toll of being a special educator, and I want nothing more than to support you through it. If this is your first time here, welcome. I am so glad you found me. The podcast is released every Wednesday morning, so make sure you hit subscribe so you can get your weekly reminder. If this isn't your first time here, welcome back. I would love it if you would review the show and give me some feedback and let me know how the show has helped you grow as an educator. Speaking of growing as an educator, I have a way for you to unlock the superpowers you never knew you possessed and discover the kryptonite that's been holding you back from becoming an amazing special educator. That's right. It's my special educator superpower quiz, and it's a short little quiz that will take just a minute or two of your time, and it's super fun to take but it will give you clarity on how to manage your staff so that you can become a stronger leader. Just go to spedprepacademy.com slash quiz. Because you are listening to this podcast, I can assume that your career somehow involves education. And I can assume that because you work in the field of education that you know the crisis our profession faces right now with the low numbers of teachers graduating from college and the high attrition rates education faces as a whole. But if you are a special education teacher or you work within the field at all, you probably feel this crisis hitting you smack dab in the face on a daily basis. The problem, of course, is burnout. Obviously, recruitment of qualified special education teachers is an issue, but retention of those teachers might even be more pressing. A study I read recently suggests that the turnover rate for special educators is 25% every single year. And I think that we would be hard-pressed to find anyone who works within this field to say that they haven't at least considered leaving the profession. In fact, there have actually been two different times in my career when I went to an administrator and and above, actually, and said, I can't do it anymore. Put me anywhere else but special ed. Of course, they didn't let me out. And in retrospect, I'm thankful that they didn't. But who can blame me? Who can blame us for burning out? Anyone would if they had to deal with the intense feelings of isolation that some teachers feel of not having enough time in the day to do the level of work that they can feel good about on top of the ridiculous amount of paperwork we have. Sometimes a total lack of affirmation for their hard work or support dealing with the extreme behaviors that we don't feel adequately prepared to deal with. These are the stories that we hear from educators about leaving teaching that are consistent and heartbreaking. So as a lifer, I like to call myself, I have often wondered what it was within me or within other teachers who have stayed the course so long that kept us going year after year after year. The other day, I came across a teacher named Brandy Emmett in a special education teacher Facebook group who was giving advice to others, and I realized she had been in the game as long as I had. And she was doing some of the same things as me as far as mentoring other teachers, providing training on how to be an effective teacher, and just supporting other teachers in general. 
So I reached out to her and asked if she would come on the show to share what it takes to last in this profession. So let's hear from Brandy. Hey, Brandy, thank you so much for coming onto the show and for sharing your expertise with my listeners. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your teaching background. Okay. Um, I have been in special education for almost 30 years. Um, I started out teaching students with emotional behavioral disorders primarily um, and moved into autism and then kind of blended models. I've done, um, uh, I was an inclusion facilitator for a while um, and then moved into um, kind of being the, a district behaviorist and then helping to develop um programs in the the district that I work in for students with um, specialized sort of needs within special ed. And then um, I do a lot of training. I've trained, you know, both nationally and internationally on IEPs and special ed and behavior and autism. And I I love to do that. And, and for about the last, uh, you know, 10 or 12 years, I have um, focused a lot of my time on mentoring new teachers which I absolutely love. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, it has really just been great and the, you know, working with those new teachers as they're coming up and providing that support. Um, because, you know, we know that the burnout rate in special ed is really high. And a lot of that comes from just not feeling like they have the support that they need. So I really do love that. I like doing that too. Um, so we, we all have a story. We all have, you know, how did you end up in special ed story? And mine is completely different from yours. So can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up teaching special education? Yeah, um, it's it's actually, I think, a roundabout way. I did not have any intention of education that was never even in my, you know, in my world. I was thinking about, um, I graduated um, with a from college with a degree in psychology and went directly into social work. And um, I loved what I was doing in social work. Um, And I was working with um, kids of uh, adult women who were recovering from drug abuse. And um, and many of the kids were very impacted in, in many different ways. And I just was so passionate about working with these kids. And then what would happen is they were there for 15 days, 20 days, 30 days, and then they were gone. And I just felt like that I want to work with this kind of population, but I need longer with them. And so I just sort of started researching and um, I ended up getting my graduate degree specifically in working with um, students with emotional behavioral disorders. Um, and that's, you know, that's where I've been. <laughs> well, I actually think your route is probably more common than mine because not everyone knows that they want to be a teacher at the age of four. So, you know, wow. And they find this career through, you know, different forks in the road that eventually lead them to what they were meant to be doing all along. And that sounds like that was the case for you. But so before we get into burnout, um, what do you think that it takes to be a good special education teacher? What has made you excel in this field? Um, I think that's really a great question. And I think we don't ask that question enough um, because I, I, it's very different than being a general ed teacher. And so I think the skill set is very different. Um, you know, one of the biggest pieces is flexibility. And I I think that's um, uh, under-focused on as we develop teachers, um, because when you're in special ed, there just is, there is no every day we do this, or there is no, this is the way it always is, right? It just, there isn't, that doesn't exist. 
And so a lot of times you do, um, you know, people are drawn to special ed and they want to, they want kind of that structure of teaching, but it just doesn't really exist. So you have to be comfortable with that. Um, obviously, I think that, you know, it requires people that can think outside the box a little bit and, and you know, be comfortable with that and, and be ready to do that. Um, I, you know, organization is a big thing. Now, I don't want teachers to like run away if they're not organized because I actually... I have a lot of holes in my organization, but I figured out how to make it work, you know? Me too. Yeah. It's like, you know, in the rest of my life, I, I don't know, whatever, but like be willing to learn those skills because there's just a lot to keep up with. And then, you know, I mean, I think there there is a piece of just having a love for these kids, you know, that you... Um, I, I don't think many special ed teachers end up lasting a long time if they don't have that special place where they, you know, walk into a classroom or they are working with special needs kids and they, they see that, you know, potential and they get excited by that. So, you know, I think all of those things kind of feed into that. Well, in the intro, and I'm glad you mentioned that in the intro, I admitted to feeling, you know, of enough burnout throughout the years to actually request, you know, a move within my building. And while it all worked out in the end, and I'm thankful that they didn't end up moving me, burnout is a real thing. And it, this is a very high stress job. And only those of us who have worked in the field really understand that the over, you know, the overwhelm of it all. So have you been in that position? Have you been to where you just feel that you can't take it anymore and you're ready to just get the heck out of Dodge? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't think there is any special ed teacher that can honestly say that they didn't feel that, that they, you know, didn't have a year or a couple years where they just thought this is not, this is, I can't do this anymore. Um, I remember when I started teaching my very first year, um, I was working in um, a very inner city environment. And um, the the kids had not had a teacher for over 18 months. They'd only had subs and they were kids with emotional behavioral disorders. And, um, and I, you know, I hadn't even finished my credential. And I remember that I came home like every single day, you know, collapsing. And my husband was like, is this how it's going to be <laughs> forever? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. And I remember my uh, mentor professor said to me, by year three, you start to feel like, you know, you can make it into the door and not collapse. And so I think that is important for teachers to know that helps with burnout, too, where they they understand that it's going to be hard. And then I think that, you know, along the way, I, I am now fully convinced that the right kind of mentoring and support is the key to that burnout. Um, because I think that, you know, we, we have this idea that special ed teachers can do everything, right? We're superheroes and we can do everything, but we can't, you know, and we can't also be experts in everything. And this is something I've been talking to um, my teachers a lot about lately is there's this expectation that you should be perfect or very good in all these different aspects, right? You have to do curriculum, you have to do behavior, you have to do time management, you have to do, you know, running of meetings, dealing with parents. Um, And it's just not human nature that you're going to be great at all of those. And I think what happens is that teachers get burnt out because they they start to feel like failures in one of those areas. It becomes too much. Um, And the more that we provide real support in those areas, um, as opposed to just like kind of, you know, giving them, you know, a packet of things that that they may or may not look at is really providing that support. Um, I think we can we can um, help with that. 
Now, I mean, you know, coming out of this last year and a half that we're coming out of, I mean, I think that, again, another thing I've been telling my teachers is like, you can't judge anything based on this last year because every single teacher is burnt out. Like there is no in between at this point. And so, yes, it was hard. And yes, it was, it was beyond anything we were used to. And so, um, you know, sometimes the best kind of solution for burnout is just to kind of take a breath, slow it down a little bit and and let, you know, let things kind of develop the way that they're developing. So I think that right now, you know, I know I'm feeling it. Everybody I'm working with is just like, wow. I mean, we kind of made it through that year and and I don't know what I can, I don't know how much I have left for next year. So, you know, really encouraging people to take that time. Um, for themselves. And, and, you know, the other thing that I, I think over 30 years, and, you know, I'm sure you can speak to this as well with your experience is that really learning that balance and, um, and committing to what self-care looks like for you and, and making sure that's a part of your life so that you, it's too easy to be, you know, taken over by everything that we have to do. And if we're not careful, that's, you know, where we get that burnout. So really working with new teachers on that idea of, okay, yes, you have a lot to do. And tomorrow you're going to have a lot to do too. But what are you going to do to make sure that you stay afloat? So you, when you were in the classroom and you, you know, you were going through those hardships, the ones that you're teaching your teachers about now, you didn't leave, you know, you continued to fight, you you continued to come back just like I have day after day and give your heart and soul to this job. So can you tell me why? What was it that made you come back every single year? I mean, you know, the obvious answer is the kids. And I do, I, I, I mean, not only do I love the kids, but I, I feel like my whole life continues to, you know, I, I'm drawn to, to these kids you know, to these kids and every part of my life, I end up, you know, anywhere I go, like my, my kids joke about it. Like, you know, we go out to dinner and they're next to us, you know, is a student, is a child with autism clearly. And, you know, like everywhere, it's just in my life. So I, I don't even know that, you know, that it was a decision to stay. Like, I I just don't, there is nothing else I would have done. Now, I don't know that that's the case for everybody. Um, I think, but And on top of it, I think sometimes learning to give myself, you know, a break sometimes and like, it's okay if I had a bad week or if I, if I didn't do what I wanted to do, or if, you know, even if like you get uh, an administrator, you know, gives you feedback on something like all of that is okay in the learning process. So I think that helps with that being able to stay, um, and I had a couple of my, you know, tough years, I had amazing mentors. I had people who were there for me and um, kind of continued to build me up. And so I think that was critical. I, I think that was really important too. I think that is the common thread that, you know, many special educators say is that we stay for the kids and yeah. little else, you know, we're not staying for the paperwork. We're not staying for, you know, the other stuff, but the demands of this job are not always seen by general education teachers and even if your administration is supportive, like mine is, but I know that a lot aren't, SPED teachers often feel as though that they're not a true part of the faculty. And sometimes they're feeling very isolated and, you know, like they're living on an island. So what do you think that schools and administrators can do to retain good special education teachers? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, too. Um, 
sometimes it's just the nature of our beast, right? Is that we may be the only special ed teacher or one of two special ed teachers at a school. That is the reality. Um, and so it is hard to find that community. Um, and, you know, I, I have a, me- I have a membership group that, that I put together specifically for that, because as I was kind of working with teachers individually, they were saying the same thing. Like I, I need a community. I need my people, you know? Um, and so, I think, okay, so I think sometimes what we do is we tell special ed teachers, we say, you need to reach out, reach out in the district and find other people. But I kind of think that's not a fair thing for us to say sometimes, because that's Mm -hmm. easier said than done. You know, they have to have the time to reach out. They have to have people who are receptive to that, all of that. I think um, as administrators, when I have seen really strong schools, it's because special ed teachers are incorporated into the faculty just as everybody else is. Now, it, it doesn't mean the special ed teachers necessarily then have other people, you know, that know exactly their struggle. But they're, you know, simple things like teacher appreciation. They get noticed the same. You know, every meeting, they're included in the same way. Um, and so that alone, you know, you just don't feel like you're kind of on this island when that happens. So I think that's really good. And then... Um, I've over the years, I've done a lot of trainings for administration at school sites, which which is great. And um, I think that, you know, a lot of times administration just doesn't know um, what special ed teachers are doing. And so they may walk in and the kids are watching a movie or they may walk in and, you know, they're doing an art project and they don't see, you know, what has happened for the last 45 minutes or what's happening in the next 45 minutes um, or they don't understand that maybe that teacher is working on their ability to attend or, you know what I mean? Like there, there's just a lot that is special ed related that um, administrators don't know. And so the more they become familiar, then they have a better understanding that they're not just like, you know, babysitting over there, that they're actually doing really important work. So, so I think that's really important. And then just my other advice that I always um, give to new teachers is make sure that the, um, that the support that you have in the school is going to be support that um, fits who you are. And and what I mean by that is so many times um, people will reach out to say another teacher and, and, and I'm just giving you an example and say the teacher has more of a negative, um, a negative approach to say the school. And they're always, you know, I have too many kids in my class, whatever. And, and once teachers kind of go down that path, it's hard for them to stay positive. And so I always, you know, I tell teachers like, make sure that it's a good fit, just like you would a friend or, you know, that if you're looking for a mentor or somebody to connect with, make sure it fits you and it feels right. Um, because sometimes that is a general ed teacher, you know, because there there are no other options or maybe it's just the right match. So just really trusting that that connection is is meaningful to you and, and really helpful. Yeah, those are really good tips. You know, we were talking before we started recording, we're talking about both of us have taught at the college level. Um, do you feel like do you feel like the colleges are preparing our teachers to know all of this stuff to, you know, to, to know how to come into a job like this. And it feels like there's kind of a disconnect there because we, we, as, you know, mentors and people, you know, on the online space, trying to provide all of this instruction to teachers, it feels like where was all of this training when they went through college? So can you speak to that just a little bit? Uh, It is, I am, 
I'm super passionate about this and I, I haven't quite figured out what the best path for this is, but I think it is one of the biggest disservices of the, of the, the college programs, the credentialing programs. Um, I do a lot of, well, I do a lot of hiring and I do a lot of work with new teachers and almost 90% of the time they have never written an IEP. So through their student teaching, through everything, they've never written an IEP. And I think uh, of all the things, it's it is one of it is probably one of the top two things that overwhelms new teachers is writing IEPs because it takes a long time until you know how to do it. And I think what is going on? Like, why are we not? Te- they should be writing IEPs all the time. I mean, that should be part of what they do, not just reading a book about writing right. IEPs, but actually writing IEPs. Um, so I think that there's a lot of the real life pieces that are missing in the, in the programs. And, and I don't think it takes a huge overhaul, but I do think that there are pieces that if we gave that and we, and we had, um, you know, young people coming out with a a certain level of mastery and kind of those basic skills, I think, you know, half of the overwhelm would be taken care of just by that. Those are some good tips. And I agree with, you know, being a special education teacher is so much more than than reading it in the book. And I I think colleges need to work more closely with, you know, school systems in general and, you know, get those pre-service teachers into classrooms to observe and volunteer and to make sure that this is what they signed up for, make sure that this is actually what they want to do. Um, So if you could give the listeners one piece of advice for staying the course and for making a 30 plus year career out of this, what is your one piece of advice for sticking with it year after year? Mm-hmm. Um, I, one is hard. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I would say, I'm going to come back to, I think really finding the right support is going to be, is going to be your key is that, you know, making sure that you have um, somebody or some group or something that allows you to continue growing, to ask questions in safe places, to kind of mess up and come back and figure out what you did. Um, I think that long term is going to be the key because, you know, we can all learn what we need to do. It's just having that support to be able to do that. So I think if, you know, if you to pick one, I think that's probably um, number one. And then I'm going to throw <laughs> number two in there, which is just really that, you know, kind of self-care thing, making sure that I mean, I I am, you know, I think it's completely acceptable. And I tell teachers this, new teachers, like, you're going to stay late. I mean, that's part of the first couple of years. Like, you're going to have to do stuff at home. I mean, that's just the reality. And like you said, I think that the more we let teachers know that before they become teachers, it's it's good information. I mean, you know, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't, you know, write an IEP at home. It doesn't matter how long you've been teaching. Um, but to remember that you have to set aside some time for you and, and just to, to shut down and to do things that you enjoy and that still make you happy. So I like those tips. I'm I'm glad you didn't just stop with one. (laughs) So you and I both, you know, we, we do this online. And so can, do you have, you talked about a membership that you have. I want to support our teachers as much as possible. And I don't have a membership. I just support, you know, through the podcast and through my courses. So tell us where, you know, teachers can find you and where they can get support if they don't have it in their school system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, so 
I started out with um, one um, online professional development course, which is called IEPs Untangled, and and you can find that at, at IEPsUntangled.com, and um, and that's really. Um, you know, a course that breaks down the IEP process, um, you know, module by module and kind of walks you through how to write an IEP, which again, you know, would be great if, if, uh, students came out of school with that really well done, but, um, uh, you know, they don't always have that. So it's really, uh, you know, I'm all about like no fluff, none of the extras, just what you need to know. And through that over the last few years is, um, teachers just kept coming to me saying, I want more. Like I, that's, that's, you know, kind of independent work, but how do I, I need something where I can move through this together. And so, um, I started, uh, my membership, which is called special ed untangled. And again, you can find that at special ed untangled.com. And, um, and it's a 10 month membership and we walk through, you know, all of kind of the critical skills, um, that, that you need during that first year, as well as building community. So we're doing some live, um, uh, connecting activities. We're doing live Q and A's so that people can actually connect with each other. Um, and then they're also connecting outside of this once they meet, which is super, which is what I really, you know, was hoping for. And so, you know, like we're covering the first couple months are like time management because that's so such a big thing to start the year off with classroom management, um, IEP organization, you know, writing IEP goals, running, um, IEPs, you know, uh, communicating with parents, collaborating with staff, all of those pieces that we have to do as special education teachers. And we're kind of just expected to learn on, you know, learn on the run. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's really fun. A lot of, a lot of, uh, great professionals are jumping in to just get that support, you know, because they just may not, like you said, they may not have that opportunity in their school or in their district. Well, Brandy, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your knowledge with us. And, you know, it sounds like you and I are on the same page on every single topic. And even our years of experience are very close together. So it's just really nice to to meet you and to get to talk to you. And thank you again for coming on. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator, and I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I am so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you are enjoying the show and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the show as well. And I'd love it if you'd join us in the private SPED Prep Academy Facebook community. We are just getting started, but it's a safe space where special educators and related service providers can talk shop. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day, and I'll catch you on the next episode.